Welcome to the Emotional Coach Podcast with me, Andrea Splendori. And this week, my guest is Richard Gordon Kelly. Richard is a coach and a sports therapist based in Belgium. And in this conversation, we explore his journey into coaching, the importance of conversations and community. Please subscribe, share and review. It's the only way podcasts like this have a chance to survive. For more information, please visit andreasplendori.com. The title tune is Paralyzed by Nevada. I think there's there are so many people out there um, selling themselves as coaches, and I'm one of them, and you're the other one, but we're all doing it for different reasons, and I just want to make sure that I get the right people on the podcast to, to talk course. about the right things. So that's really the, the, the background of, of the podcast. So I may as well just start and just keep chatting. And then uh, I'll, I'll have a few questions and I'm sure you have more that you want to talk about. Um, yeah, thanks. Well, first of all, thanks for accepting me uh, to talk to you. <laughs> I didn't expect the, 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 uh, the recording straight away, but that's great as well. So that's I like spontaneity, I like curiosity. So why not? Does my image come across okay for you? It's fine, yeah. The, the podcast only goes out as a as a, an audio anyway, so I'll okay. only use the image for <clears throat> just promoting a couple of days before the podcast goes out. Only I find that it's too much. Um, we're so distracted with uh, visual all the time, uh, yeah. And I think, uh, well, I've been doing the podcast now for a few years, and I find uh, it's part of a really good way of having a self-reflection, a self-time on your own. You know, you can put your earphones on and go for a run or go for a walk and, and use your imagination of what people are talking about as opposed to YouTube. And it's just, we're just bombarded by too, too much visual. That's my view. I might be just an yeah. old view. No, I'm like an old dude like you. No, I think the, the visualization um, gives us a different perspective of life. And then we start to interpret it differently. And you know that as a coach, when people start to interpret things differently, they start to think differently, and then they start to emphasize thoughts in a different way. Yeah. So I think allowing, I like to say daydreaming, daydream podcasts. You know, I listen to you, I've listened to others, uh, and I listen, lovely listening to them in a way that I can, like you say, let go yeah. and see what resonates you know, I have several podcasts I listen to, like Michael Neal, a famous one in America. I listen to him, but I just let it go. And then I, I come back a few days later. And I'm like, did he say that? Mm. Really, did he say that? It's like, wow, I missed that. And the same with you with Andy. I was also listening to you and Andy. And it was like, I had to listen to it a few times just to go, yeah, I, I didn't hear that the first time. But that's that's an interesting play to start, and uh, Richard, uh, because in the coaching world, and that visualization is really really important. I find it's one of the things I use the most because that's the way my brain works. And uh, and I sit down when I sat down initially to create this podcast, I visualize what I wanted out of it, and and it, not necessarily everything comes through, but. The framework, the pathwork in front of me, it was very clear and yeah. it made it easier to get to it. So tell me about that bit, for example, in your in your work or how you you just mentioned the visualization. Tell me a bit about visualization. 
Well, it's 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 about people seeing for themselves who they can be. And that power, they already know that they are the the physical human being that has some form of essence, some form of uh, spiritual aspect to them, even if they think if they believe it or not. And yet, what they can get is an understanding that who they can be is much of a greater importance for them than for anyone else. And that visualization, yeah, if you wish to think of it, and if people like to think of it in that way of just, this is where I'd like to be, and this is who I am now, and, and this is what I could cre- can create. We are the infinitive creators of our destiny, of our lives. Mm-hmm. And that creation of just, like you say, taking that time out for that walk or taking the space and just having that moment in that space and listening to what is coming to you with messages, it's a wonderful thing because you just kind of go, wow, that's interesting. I never thought of that. And then when you start to look at that, you start to open up and you start to, like you said, previously in the call, in the call we had, in the call conversation we're just having now, um, things started to open up. You had a better clearer picture of how your podcast was going to be or where it can go. That's the power in that moment. Mm. That power is so, yeah, it's so, we, we, so gratifying. We take it for granted. That moment in that space, in that moment, is the most precious moment we can have. And when we have that, things just come into place. It's like fireworks going off. <laughs> it allows us just to be creators. It allows us to be think, thinkers in a way that we're not thinking of our thoughts that put us in these situations. We're allowing new, clearer thoughts to come through, that clarity of, or intuition or whatever you wish to call it. I mean, there's so many narratives out there. It's just that moment where we have, wow, that ha-ha moment. And you possibly had that when you created your podcast. Yeah, um, I did. And it was interesting is the things that are happening because of it. Um, for example, you got in touch with me with the view of coming on the podcast. And I was delighted and I'm open to anybody uh, to come on and talk to me about why they're doing what they're doing. And and I guess that's my question. What what made you come to my the podcast? What what What's your thought behind it? I love coaching. I love people. I love helping to serve, support people in whatever way I can, but being impactful. And when I saw your emotional coaching, I was like, well, that's what actually I do as well. I listen to people's emotions. And the way you, you've described what you're doing and the podcast that you've created and the information that you give out there, resonated with me 100%. And I like to get curious. I like to have a conversation and I like to see where it takes us. Yeah, that's great. Because I, I, what I found, one thing I found in the world of coaching, um, and I guess it's because the people that are drawn to it, the majority of the people that are drawn to it, there's a huge amount of generosity. Uh, I think mm. there, there's a, there, there is quite a, a tribe out there uh, of people you know, 
aiming for the same thing and wanting to talk to one another for the right reason. So I guess give me a bit of a background, Richard, because we never met. We, this is our first conversation. We had a, a quick exchange of emails and I, I, I didn't read through your, your website, but give me a bit of a background. I know you, you've done a couple of jobs and then training and just give us a bit of a bio. I never saw that I was into coaching, but I, I was for over 20 odd years. I didn't actually see it. I had my blinkers on. I had, I want to get a job. I have to prove myself. I have to be like this. I have to be like that. And what I got was um, people were actually coming to me and wanting to talk to me in a way that I was just asking questions and getting curious with them. That was the interesting part. So 20 odd years ago, I bought a book uh, that I bought at the Heathrow Airport on my way to Holland for a business meeting. And it was by Richard Carlson and Joe Bailey. And it was about understanding where your thoughts come from. And it's a book that I've keep constantly reading and reading and reading and reading all the time. And what I find was that book, when I first picked it up, I looked at it, the first page, and it was like, oh, that's too heavy for me. I remember saying something like that to myself as I got on the plane. So I didn't actually read it. I already read it nearly 17, 18 years ago. So quite recently, my mother, who passed away a few uh, last this year, actually gave me the book last year to say, um, "Hey, there's a book here of yours. Do you mind taking it?" <laughs> <laughs> and I picked it up, and I'm sat in her living room, and within half and uh, half the day passed, I'd read it, and it was absolutely fantastic to see that I actually had been doing, I'd been reading that. I'd been practicing everything that was there. And it was like, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, it for me was like the icing on the cake. And what's the essence of the book, Richard? What's, what, what's so uh, life-changing as such? Slowing down to the speed of life. Okay how to be create more how to create a more powerful and simpler life from the inside out okay and uh, was that at the time that you picked it up on the on the way on the plane uh, on the way to get on the plane was that a time that you needed life to slow down yeah i constantly was flying around across europe and I always had to be back in London for a breakfast meeting at eight o'clock on Friday mornings. So wherever I was, I had to be back. My boss said, you have to be back. And yeah, but I'm here. No, no, you have to be back. And that was like tiring, huh? exhausting. Because, you know, you'd be, I'd be in Holland, I'd be in Sweden, I'd be in Italy, I'd be in France. But now I had to be back for Friday morning. And uh, just to be in the meetings with all the directors, I wasn't even a director. I was just a general manager, normal manager. And yeah, I was with all these directors and we're talking about their strategy and how to move forward with the business, et cetera, et cetera. 
And my general manager, the general, the chef, was always saying, Richard, what do you think? I'm going, no, I don't, I don't think this is right for the organization. And it was interesting because he always had yes men around him. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do it like that. And I said, no, it's, it's, it's impossible. We can't do it that way. The business can't cope with the clients, can't have that. We don't have that technology ready yet. We don't have the processes set up for doing this yet. So to say yes now, it's, not, it's impossible. And he liked that fact that I challenged him. He cha I challenged him in a way that no one else would challenge him. And uh, it was this um, was just a, a company doing sales, or whatever whatever business was in. It was a large organization that was selling um, nonprofit, uh, not not no, non financial packages to the to the institutions. The reason I'm asking is because 20 years have gone by, and COVID aside, that at the moment we can't fly anywhere, but. COVID aside, there's still some a young Richard somewhere flying back every Friday morning somewhere in London or Brussels or whatever it may be. It's been asked or she's been asked to fly back for breakfast meetings. That world is still out there. And have you come across in your coaching world, have you come across that young Richard man that is still been asked to do crazy things that are beyond, uh, like they're going to burn them out eventually? Hmm. Yeah, I see people like that. I see people like that. For myself, no, I start to recognize it. I start to recognize, even when I'm having these conversations, I mean, I also have a depression. I've been in that as well. I've had moments where I've kind of dropped out and, and said, hey, this is not right. I'm not feeling good. But now I start to see it a lot earlier. And I start to ask what's going on. I get curious, why, why am I like this? What's been going on? And then I see my thoughts have been playing with me. I wasn't really being in that moment with the reality that's there. Mm. And yeah, there are a lot of clients who come. And I, I had one who came uh, for several sessions. And I remember one session, he came with his theme He had about five projects running all at the same time. And so we just sat there. And then I waited for him to speak. And then he said, okay, I see um, I'm doing too much. That well, could be the case. And we went silent again. <laughs> Ten minutes later, he says something else. And we go silent again. The power of that silence for him was just the, the turning of the key for him to be who he had to be. He started to see that all that rushing around wasn't being effective in the performance of the projects that he was running. He could see that he was actually burning his candle at both ends and he really wasn't getting anything from it. He was actually creating his own stress his own anxiety, his own worries from inside him. When he started to see that, he just kind of said, he got up and he said, is that it? I said, yeah. Do you want to leave now? I said, yeah, I've got it. I've got it. Mm -hmm. 
he started to slow down. He started to see who he was and who he could be. I said it a couple of times on this podcast that I came into it very, very skeptical. Um, but now I've been worked with different clients in the last while. And what you just described there, it's a situation that, that has occurred in, in one or two of my sessions. And it's, it is quite powerful. Uh, but as, as how, when you got into the, finally got into coaching proper, as in you start, you know, over the years, you say people came yeah. to you uh, and asked you questions or you, or you asked them questions and let them speak. You gave them the time to, to answer. When did you decide to actually go, okay, well, I'm actually going to make this into a business and, and how did that progress and, and how is it working now? Yeah, it's over a good few years ago that I started to recognize that this was more of the path that I really enjoyed doing. You know, I've also been a, a therapist as well. I've been a sports therapist. I treated people. I did the physical aspects as well. But I was incorporating coaching all the time. Mm -hmm. Actually, more coaching, more mental coaching, except than I was doing the physical or doing the therapy. So I would say it's been a gradual progress of time where things started to evolve and open up differently. Don't get me wrong. I still get the clients who come and say they want the physical. Like I've, I've had a client uh, recently and we had to do the stuff over Zoom, etc. But there was more presence of the fact, understanding how to be present when you're doing the exercises what's what is the body trying to tell you for me the body is the thing that's in form and the formless is what's floating around inside our head that energy that whatever we call it is floating around and that form is represented that stress that anxiety that frustration you know, getting people to understand that movement in the hip is moving forward in life. And if that's released, it creates a, such a bigger picture for them to kind of feel great again. But not to take it from the external and bring it in, but from internal to take it out. Mm. And for them to express it in that way makes a big difference for people. That's I'm really curious about the sports psychology versus the coaching because um, in my experience, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes if you say to somebody, look, you need to, you know, to realign your hip, you need to do certain set of exercises every day for the next few weeks and, and, and that will realign your hip and you're going to walk better, et cetera, et cetera. That's just an example. Mm. <clears throat> Is that easier for somebody to take other than instead of in the coaching session where you're busy asking them to go home and look at themselves in the mirror and really decide who they're looking at. Yeah. There's a different approach. And, and it's, for me, it's about having, um, I seem to have a helicopter view mm -hmm. when I see people. You know, uh, um, my stepson, he was playing a, a sport. Uh, it was handball. Uh, the first time I met him, I went and watched it, the game. 
And uh, I said to my wife, I said, um, do you notice that he doesn't turn his hips? And does he have a problem with his shoulder? And she went, yeah, I have to massage it every time he has a game, every training he has because he has problems in his shoulder. I said, it's not his shoulder, it's his hips. He's not really turning the hips correctly for when he moves, when he moves in that motion and that movement. When he got that understanding, he was looking at himself in the mirror and practicing that move. His mannerism changed, his posture changed. He was then more encouraging for the team members because he could see there was something different for him just by turning his hips. He had more force, he had more balance, he had more accuracy. He could pass the ball much quicker, more efficiently, and then go off and run and move and get the ball again. And that comes from him being present in that moment and listening to me and saying, yeah, I did have problems with my shoulder. Yeah, but you, you can see where it comes from now. Yeah, so what can you do about it? You have that infinite possibility to create something new. And that possibility allowed him then to see that by turning his hips ever so slightly when he moved, he didn't have to really put the force in the shoulder. He just put the force, more force in the hip. And when he got that, he's, yeah, it was, it was unstoppable. And what age was he when that happened? That was a few years back now, so he's what, 19, he's 20 now, so it was a good 17, okay. three years ago. The reason I'm asking because it's um, that, age, that age group, the teenage years is something I'm very passionate about. I'm doing some work with a, um, a charity here in Ireland and we're putting together a program all about teenage mental health and mm. you know, prevention and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and I always find that it's like a, I'm, I'm very passionate about teenagers and youth because, well, they're our future and they're mm. to know what they need now, as opposed to an old man like me telling them what they, they should be doing to, to, to feel better and get better. And, but the one thing you said earlier on about, you mentioned depression, um, and it's a word that is... It's used in a lot of contests. And I was talking to somebody recently, we were talking about how depression can um, manifest itself. And, mm. and I, I compared it to my understanding, which was, was very minimal. Um, but I, I remember saying to somebody, is it like the migraine, is a migraine just a bad headache? And he would say, no, it's a different ball game. It's something completely different. So depression, used to be called melancholy and uh, mm. and then you know it's not a bad day it's something a little bit more than that so how how did it manifest for you and how you're dealing with it or you've dealt with it i'd say i i start to see it much earlier now if it does come up okay. but then i know a lot more clearer where it's coming from and if for like young teenagers that they have this um, situation 
how I used to deal with it was I'd go and get drunk. Or, you know, I'd do as much sport as possible. And I didn't want to actually see within myself what it was about, what it was reflecting. Mm. And if we can start to encourage the young people to be more, how can I say, to embrace and, and, and to look uh, at their characteristics and their behaviors in a way that can help them to move forward compared to what is a, a command and control from their family, from society, from friends, from the sporting coaches, et cetera, et cetera. To be more allowed to express themselves more creatively, uh, allowing more of awareness from within themselves, the resilience to bounce back when they know they're in these type of situations like I was with, uh, with depression. And making decisions for themselves, not for other people. And that also that self, I could say self-organization, I know when it happens now. And I'm able to deal with it. And that self-organization helps me a lot. Helps me greatly. Mm. You know, them areas can be incorporated to any body, any group person, any team, any groups, any organization, if people have a better understanding of where it all's coming from. Yeah, and that's really interesting. You mentioned in, uh, uh, you know, coming at the team or a community at a level where there's more talks about and there's more, I suppose you're talking about tools, giving the tools for teenagers to be able to talk about and, and open up about it. Yeah, I think it's actually getting him to understand where it comes from. For an example, if I, when I do a, a team uh, conversation, part of the conversation is where do you think stress comes from? Mm-hmm. And let them have a discussion about it. Okay, but this is where I say it comes from. Let's have a talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's allowing them to be responsible for them. And also, there's also that commitment. Because people say, oh, I don't want to be here. Okay. You can always leave. But just just listen. But just open ears, open heart, and see what is there for you. No one's forcing you. Tell me something in in the area of so you you're coaching you're working both with individuals and teams or some companies and you're based in Belgium. What is the um, what is the approach uh, like? What you found over the last few years that companies are doing? Are they getting more? Are they more open to the type of conversations that you offer? The type of services that you and others are offering, as in lay bare your problems as such let's talk about it let's move forward with this i think slowly they are very slowly they still like the traditional powerpoint presentations (laughs) here's our slides we put as much content on these slides as possible (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, yeah. 
it's still that mentality. You know, I've created a program for new presentations and, and about using different ways of presenting yourself instead of the traditional PowerPoint. Nothing wrong with it. And it can still be effective. Mm. But organizations have to move forward. They have to listen to, the, to their people and to the well-being of their people. The next generation will make that change. But we still have the old the old guard, as we would like to say, in the system. And a lot of leaders, I think the new founders, the new entrepreneurs, the, the, the ones who really are being creative are seeing that there can be a difference in how, you know, people such as ourselves who go into organizations, how we can help them. But then we have the traditional ones with the HR system where they like to keep everything going and be at the same, you know, this is how we are, this is who we're going to be, and that's, and that's it. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge. And it's not actually to find the HR. It's to find the decision makers who actually would say, yeah, I'm interested in that for my people. Because once they say yes, I can then go and, and talk and then negotiate and get the work programs going. But organizations, they still kind of have that rigid approach. But it is opening up. It is opening up. Yeah, and I, yeah it is time. And I heard a few interesting uh, things of, late, um, of large organizations starting to talk about purposeful leadership which is interesting because all of a sudden you just mentioned that, you know, the decision maker, the leader to give you access to his or her team, but really starts from them at the top to have that purpose, to have that understanding that their, their purpose is beyond, uh, you know, if I go back to what you were saying earlier on, your boss telling you, you have to fly back every Friday morning to London I mean, regardless of the technology then and the technology now, that, that is a crazy ask for any human being. But I know, mm. I know what you're saying because I've been there and a lot of us have been there. Um, and and, and that's, that's, I think, until that switch happens with a company where... And now, do you, think, do you think the likes of COVID now, which I'm sure, I don't know what the situation is in Belgium. I don't really follow the news about COVID as much as probably I should, but... Um, I found it quite quite tiring, depressing to, to listen to. But the situation in Belgium now is, is not great, right? It's the same as I think most Europe. Uh, Did yeah. you find that it, that is helping this type of conversation about well-being and mental health and coaching? Yeah, I, I, unlike you, I don't like to have what is thrown down the down my throat of, of information, etc. Uh, but it is. It, there's a bit of a crisis across Europe. Um, for whatever reason, it's happening, and, and it's not nice. It's not comfortable for those who have it, etc. And, and, but it is a way for people to kind of reflect and say, okay, what is it I really want out of life? You know, we've noticed that a lot of people have been saying, I don't have to work nine to five. I don't have to go into work to work nine to five. I can actually work from home more efficiently. It's a form of control we've had before. Mm -hmm. 
And that control was, I remember working for an organization that I helped out on a few projects. The, the director wanted me in his, in his building yeah, because I wanted me. He says, well, you have my commitment that the work would be done. Mm. Yeah, but I'd like you to be here. So I'm saying, you want the control of me. And he knew straight away that I'd got him. He knew straight away. He said, yeah, I'd like to see that. I have the control of my people. Yeah. Now, that's an interesting lesson for him. Because now he's, he's kind of understanding that he can't have that same control. Now, all his team are remote. They're all working from home. Now, you can have all the gadgets set up on the PC to monitor how long they've been on the PC, etc. But then at a certain time, you've got to allow people that time to be responsible for themselves yeah. and to show that they can take that responsibility in doing the projects or running the business from home. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I don't know. I'm, I'm very optimistic that um, this situation will bring the, the best out of all of us and I'm hoping that uh, I'm right and that we will kind of revert back a little bit and we'll find ourselves in a little bit more as you say having the time to spend with our families and friends and in our own communities that for so long we commuted out of and uh, I'm hoping it's yeah yeah I, I I one hopes one hopes but there's been a several examples uh, especially in Scandinavian countries where they've actually shown that they actually have balance, found that balance between work and family and and it, it's proving that it's the, the lifestyle a lot of people are looking for yeah. and so I who, who knows what the future will bring for us but I mean at this present moment this is all we can, can we can create absolutely I want to ask you about something else that you, you co-founded with Andy. Am I right with Andy? Yeah. The, the Men Don't Talk. Because I remember talking to Andy about it before they recorded a podcast. But it, I, I just love the whole concept. And he gave me his, his idea on it. Just give me your, your take on that. Why, why it started? Where is it at now? And what would you like to... Where would you see it going, the Men Don't Give us a little bit of an, 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 a history of it for me. Yeah, um, well, I approached Andy and Sasha a couple of years back, actually, and we talked about it, and they were like, yeah, I don't know, it's what's it about, et cetera, et cetera. But they both had their own ideas about what it was for them. So it, it took two years of conversations with both of them to kind of finally say, okay, let's create something here. And we went through our why approach, each of us, we shared it and what it meant for us both, all three of us. And it's interesting how it's now developing. We have 70 guys, not only from Belgium, but also from the UK, I've got Canada, I've got other places who are just interested and curious to know more what it's for them. And of late, because we can't meet up, etc., we just have webinars, usually maybe twice a month, once a month, just depending on the situation for all of us. And we come with a theme and we talk, we share. And 
what it for me is the fact that guys show up and they feel that it's a safe place to have a conversation. They have a, they know that they can be vulnerable and no one's judging them. We're just facilitating the webinars. We don't do anything more than that. We just facilitate it. And it's amazing some of the conversations, some of the stories that these guys share. And it's not about work, not always. It's not about the family, but sometimes. It's how they're dealing with life in their best way possible for them. And it's interesting when, you know, you've got guys who say, well, I'm gay and this is a situation for me on this part. Or, you know, I'm black and this is a situation for me in this part or I'm depressed, or I've had a heart issue. Many things come up where people go, wow, that's interesting. And so how is the format? So you, you create a webinar, and people come along, share the stories, and, and let's say, for example, one particular person shares the story of having a hard time. What is the follow-up there, or is there a follow-up? Or how... how <laughs> Well, the, the, for the moment is that uh, if they do want to have a follow-up, they can do uh, with us privately. Or if they've got someone that they are working with, then we always say, you know, you should always continue with that person and, uh, and have that conversation with them further along the line. Uh, you know, we also have the listing of organizations that can support them. Uh, we're not therapists. Sure, sure. <laughs> we're not therapists. We're just coaches who find that being there for men can be, you know, a powerful thing for them. And uh, it's really rewarding, really is rewarding just having them conversations because it's mirroring what's going on on our side. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a fabulous, uh, it's a fabulous thing. And uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted you guys are doing it. It's, it doesn't need for more, oh, but it's great to hear that people find it. Uh, useful and uh, and I'm, I'm sure it's helping a lot of people even beyond what you what you hear because I'm sure some people go off and figure out other things that it might not have thought about it you might not hear about it but they will a lot do yeah. a lot do and then they one or two will come and share about it later on in the next session that we have and and thanks for your conversation because it just opened up something for me because I spoke to my coach or something happened and I just had a bigger ha-ha moment than I've ever had before. Uh, there's no magic tools, no nothing. The, the magic tool is actually, it's like years ago, well, hundreds, thousands of years ago, we used to just sit around a fire yeah. and tell stories. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same kind of process now. It's just guys just sitting around on a Zoom call and, and having a conversation. Brilliant. Okay, just so to, we can talk forever, but... Um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we, might do that. we might do that again. Uh, with, uh, we might just hook up with both you and Andy and we just have a chat one of these evenings without a recording. But tell me, so tell me about your, your week. How does it look and what are you going to do to keep uh, happy and fish and, uh, and in the right frame of mind? What's your plan? 
Well, I actually registered for, uh, there's a webinar going on with an organization and uh, I, I laughed because I was just with Andy, we were talking about our, uh, another project that we're trying to create into co-organizations with well-being. And uh, I put this title on and I went, yeah, I'm there because they wanted the title for the, for the webinars. And I went, I'm, I'm Mr. Energy Guy. <laughs> And Andy and I just laughed. He says, yeah, he says, I've been here with an hour with you. And I was actually tired, et cetera, but you've picked me up. What is it? And I, go, I don't know. But no, I have a routine. Um, it comes naturally, the energy, I would say. It comes naturally. I have fun. Yeah. I get curious. I have fun. And, and I try and be as, as who I can be in that moment. And that makes a difference for people. So my routine, I do a routine. It's the Royal Canadian Air Force. It's the old 5BX and 10BX for the ladies. You can find it on the, on the internet, etc. It has five exercises you've got to do in a certain time. And I've been doing it for several years and I enjoy it. I'm 51 now. I still keep myself fit with that. I don't have to go running. I just do that every day and it gets my energy level going and it gets my fitness at a good level. So that's one of my routines. My other routines is, yeah, I, um, I like listening to podcasts. I like, I get curious. Yeah. A lot of that curiosity for me is, is about curiosity to me. It's like, it's like falling in love that curiosity of falling in love with myself and the people that I'm with. Mm. And so I get that opportunity to listen to a podcast. I get involved in that podcast and I listen to it because I know there's something there for me. And, you know, I get involved in my fitness because I know it's helping me at many different levels. You know, meditation, yeah, I, there's one or two things I like listening to, but I also like listening to some music as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's also a form of meditation. Yeah. You know, there's different ways of just calming yourself down. But the, the biggest gift you can have is just being in nature and just going, wow, isn't it beautiful, the trees, how they are, how the animals are, how, how life is, how the flowers just grow all the time at different seasons. Having that opportunity to just slow down. And then people will say, well, you can't do that in business. Yes, you can. There's ways of doing it. You can be actually more productive by slowing down and focusing on one thing at a time. There's a great book by Steve Chandler, who who did the book called The Time Warrior. And he was sharing how people work from 9 to 10, 10 to 11, 11 to 12, or even shorter times. <laughs> Got to get this done now and this time here, this time here. It's exhausting, isn't it? Mm. And people don't see that energy, because we don't see that energy, we, un- we understand why we're tired. Well, because we're emphasizing, we're pushing ourselves in the wrong direction. 
we're going against the flow. When I, when I go into an organization and I speak to the, one of their main guys, the high guys, and it's like, okay, this conversation is not going anywhere. It's like me trying to push water up a mountain. It ain't going to work. The water can go down, it can go around, it can go through, but trying to push that water up the mountain <laughs> with this guy in front of me or this lady in front of me who thinks it's that their, their world is totally different. And what I'd like, what I enjoy doing is getting into that world of that person that's in front of me. Getting curious is loving that person and, knowing, and, and taking them as they are. So that's my routine, if you wish to say, is it's just being as best as I can in the moment. It's not easy. It's not easy, <laughs> but it's... Uh... Not easy. Not easy at all. Yeah, but there is, you just said a few nice little uh, options, you know, starting with nature, which we can all do, is get out in your front garden or back garden or your nearest yeah. woods or whatever it may be, start to appreciate the small things. It doesn't have to be the rainforest. It can be the park around the corner. So, I, I, I remember once, oh, well, I remember once, I, I, I traveled around the world. I was about 30, I think. And I could have done it in my own backyard. Yeah. Really. But at the same time, I had a great experience. I traveled to places I'll possibly never go again to. And uh, the experiences that I got, yeah, they're etched in my, in my, in my system. They're, they're, they're there. But as I said, I could have just done everything at home. I could have just slowed down and, and, and seen life differently. Yeah. And now is the perfect time to experience that with the, the COVID restrictions. It's to make the most out of the restrictions and really explore your own neighborhood, your neighbors, you know, the people that matter. Yeah, and I think, it's it, as you said, it's, it's actually coming back to the community. And, you know, I've been helping out a local community of a rugby team, the youngsters there, before the year, last year. And this year has been difficult because I, I can't go on the pitch. I can't help them out because we're restricted. You know, we can have a certain amount of people on the pitch and uh, et cetera, et cetera, which I respect the rules and the, and the regulations that are there. But then children got a benefit from me just coming in and having that helicopter view of how they should learn, how they should understand the game of rugby for them. Mm. And it was interesting, just slight little conversations, slight movements, slight changing programs for the coaches just to look differently at how they were coaching these kids. It made a big difference because they were beat and, and then the parents get all beat. There's the community straight away in a small, condensed way. And yet with COVID, we've also supporting the community with helping the elderly people who can't go out because they're not allowed to go out because of the, the situation. They, they're, they're scared, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, there's, there's, there's many things that could be supported in the, for the people in the community. You know, just saying, I'll go to the shops for you. I remember I had an uncle many years ago, my mother's side. You know, he used to shovel the snow off everyone's drives. 
It's lovely. You know, he was just shoveling the snow. He didn't. You didn't have to ask. He was doing it because he wanted to do it to help the families yeah. and help the community of people who had to go to work. So he would clear. He was retired. He just said, "Okay, I shovel." Can you imagine that people doing that now? Yeah, but I think it starts from all of us. And uh, like, for example, I just a couple of weeks ago we decided to start a WhatsApp group in the in the little cul-de-sac that I live in. There's about twenty houses, and there's different age groups and. Just to say, look, you know, just if you need anything, it might not be easy for you to knock on the doors. You know, this is, and it's interesting because all of a sudden the, the people have been living there for a long time. Some of them don't even know each other. Some of them didn't have each other's phone number. Some of them uh, didn't feel right to knock on the door, but now it's easy to say, um, yeah, I need some help. Can somebody help? And there's always somebody around, you know, it's only 20 family. And, it, and it's nice to, to, I always believe yeah, if you need, if you want something, just get out and do it. There's no point to wait for anybody else. So I thought it yeah. wasn't necessary to to have this couple of elderly people in the in the in the in the estate. And I thought, okay, maybe you know, one of us that it happens to work from home could help with the shopping or simple thing. Or we don't get much snow here, but whatever it may be, and and it's simple things. And 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 it's quite amazing how quickly everybody gelled through a couple of simple texts. You know there's somebody coming around this stage we don't like the look of him or you know keep an eye out in case you know it's very small things but and uh, and i think i always say you know go knock on your neighbor's door you might have had a fight you know 10 years ago you decided not to talk to him mm. again but you know mm. he's, a, he's a person like you just like me you know like the just like you, me. You, you hit it on the head by saying just do it it's not fun, and yeah. i also think it's also yeah. we make up conversations in our head. Yeah. But how much really are them thoughts? Are they real? Yeah. Yeah. And I like the, I like the analog and the expression of if in doubt, make it up. <laughs> just make it up. Okay. So it's like that. Okay. Well, it's not really like that. So let's just do it. Yeah. Let's just do it, you know? Okay, I've had the problems with the neighbor last time, but I don't know what, what I was what was in their head at the time when we had that conversation. Or what was in your head at the time? Or yeah. what was in my head in that conversation at that time. So hey, let's just move on. Life is too short to be having a grudge or judging someone, etc. It, it 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 affects us at all levels. Yeah. But if you take that act of kindness and, and you're there. And you, you kind of say, well, I've, I've put that to a side now. I forgive you. Or you don't have to say it physically, you not to say it verbally, but you could just say internally, I forgive them for what's happened. Yeah. A big forgiveness is, is a big thing for people. And once you let go of that, I remember there's some famous people have said diff different sages, different wisdom, wise people, they always say, yeah, 98% of what's in your head is garbage. Hey, so you might as well throw out the last 2% as well. Because it's all full of shit. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Richard, I'm going to have to let you go. And I hope you get back on the rugby pitch. So maybe Belgium will get on the Six Nations eventually. But <laughs> Eventually, eventually. But I don't think we'll be up to that standard of you guys. It's... Um, it's a different level. It's a different game. But I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's enjoyable to watch. 
Absolutely. And listen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. We will talk again, as I say, maybe the three of us get together with Andy and have a, have a coffee, a virtual coffee one of these days. Yeah, love to, love Anytime. to, because I, I think it's, it's great opportunity to have a conversation such a person such as yourself who's really enjoying life, getting curious about what is out there. And, and I thank you for, for accepting the conversation. And no, uh, if you pleasure. can get snippets for the podcast, that's great. But uh, I really do appreciate your time and, uh, and what you're trying to create. It's wonderful. Right, thanks a million. And, and I'll talk to you again, Richard. Thanks a lot. Thanks, mate. Take care, mate. See you later. Thank you.